In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her first son, her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified, but the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So I wonder if you've ever thought, or maybe even asked out loud or said out loud, I wish things were different. Sometimes we, we say that from a trivial place, like, I wish things were different. I wish I had six-pack abs. But because I like cheeseburgers and chocolate, I'll just buy bigger shirts. Other times, it comes from a, maybe a place of dissatisfaction. Things aren't necessarily bad, but they're just not what you thought they would be. Maybe you thought you'd be further along in your career. Maybe you thought your family would be different or look different or feel different. Maybe you thought you'd be further along financially or healthier. Other times, however... That statement is made from a very, very desperate kind of place because things are bad. The Jewish people that lived around the time of Jesus' birth wished things were different because they found themselves in a desperate, desperate place. From the very last words of the Old Testament prophet Malachi, 
to the very first words of the New Testament in the Gospel of Matthew. 400 years had passed in which it seemed as though God were completely silent. No miracles, no prophecies, nothing. See, before Christmas, the Jewish people found themselves in a difficult place, oppressed by the Roman Empire, heavily taxed, exploited. However, there was this expectation, this glimmer of hope that they clung to, that someday a Messiah would come and redeem his people. So they would whisper in quiet places about the one that would come to save the world. But talk of a savior was not inconsequential because the Roman emperor Caesar referred to himself as the son of God, the savior of the world, and the Messiah. The very titles that Jesus would later use for himself. To say those words with reference to anyone but Caesar would have been considered treason. So it's into this context that the story of Luke begins. This very ancient story of Christmas is and was a story of hope for those who were longing for things to be different. But it's also a gift to you and I in our world. Because of Christmas, everything changed. So for the next few moments, I'd like us to together unwrap a few gifts that we find in Luke's story, the message, the birth of Christ. Beginning with the gift of the angels. See, the gift of the angels was the gift of good news. The angels said to the shepherds, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. When I was in my 20s, I was in college and I decided to go visit a friend for the weekend out of state. So I left Friday, got there Friday afternoon, was going to stay Saturday and Sunday, leave Sunday night, be back on Monday for an exam I could not miss. Well, Sunday as I was getting ready to leave, the weather channel said there was a blizzard that was happening in the route that I was supposed to take. And I thought, I'm from Buffalo, New York. Like, I know snow. No big deal. Got in my car, started driving, and drove into the worst blizzard I've ever experienced in my life. Whiteout conditions. I could barely see a couple feet in front of me. I was holding the steering wheel so tightly that my knuckles were turning white. My whole body was tense. I can still remember it. And I was tense because I couldn't see. I couldn't see in front of me. There was no clarity. For over 400 years, God's chosen people couldn't see where they were going. They had no clarity. It was all vague. Is there really a Messiah coming? Or are we naively trusting in the dusty old words of an ancient book? But then it happened. Good news was born. And good news was born into some pretty odd circumstances, really. Two teenagers on their way to Joseph's hometown. There's no guest room. So they find themselves in a barn or a shed or something. And there was a manger which became a crib. And you know what you get with mangers because mangers are intended to feed animals. So with mangers, what you get is, well, you get animals. All kinds of animals. And all of the sights and the sounds and the smells that come with animals. 
donkeys, and sheep. I know many of you have given birth, but it probably wasn't in a barn. And you're thankful. Because this is the most unideal of circumstance. Uncomfortable, stubborn animals. The only audience to the birth of the Savior were four-legged creatures. But the message of the Bible is still the same. It is good news that will cause great joy for all people. Like, not just normal joy, but out-of-the-ordinary joy. Now, I, like you, I, I experience normal joy all the time. When I come home at night, and I get out of my car, and I can smell that my wife is making fried tacos, that's joy. <laughs> but that's just normal joy. There are other moments in my life that I've experienced extraordinary beyond normal joy. Like, when my two kids were born, unnormal joy. When my first child, Hannah, was born, I held her, and we had just come out of a season of loss and death and miscarriage. This is my time right now, okay? (laughs) You had your chance. I got a freezer back there. (laughs) Ironically, the sheep's name is Freezer. It's a long story. So I held that precious little girl in my arms, and she came after a season of tremendous loss and miscarriage and death and disappointment. And so we named her Hannah Joy because she brought extraordinary joy to our life. I don't experience that all the time, but I, I was crying tears. I, I'm not really a crier. I'm not against crying. I think it's therapeutic, but I'm just not that emotional of a person, but I was just crying tears of joy. It was, it was out of the ordinary. It, what happened on Christmas was out of the ordinary. So many things get us off track, distracting us from what's actually important. Sometimes it's our own sense of self-righteousness, which we think we're right and everyone else is wrong. Or maybe we see the world so black and white that we miss the beauty of gray because, quite frankly, the way this story happened to most religious leaders of the day, this is a whole lot of gray going on. The Messiah is going to be born where? Others of us feel as though we've been commissioned by God to be the morality police, pointing out what's wrong with everyone else, So much so that Jesus had to give a sermon years later about logs and eyes and we reduce the good news to okay news or in some cases, bad news. But see, the message of the angels is still the same today. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people and the only thing that you can do with this good news is receive it. That's it. That's our only responsibility. That's our only response. I mean, Mary was probably not older than 16. An angel shows up and says, Mary, you've been, you've been chosen. You have found favor with God. I bring you good news. You're going to quite literally give birth to the kingdom of God. And Mary received it and said, okay. And Joseph, Joseph received impossible news. Joseph, your virgin fiance is pregnant, but it's okay because the father is God. Like, how do you explain that? 
But Joseph heard this good news and said, okay. And both of them played a part in the greatest story ever told. I mean, maybe some of you are here and you just, what you really need is some good news right now. And here's the good news. God took his essence, his goodness, his grace, his justice, and his truth, and he put it in the most vulnerable and small package, a baby to identify with us, born in humble circumstances to be a reflection of his witness. Sometimes I just, I just make it all too complicated. Sometimes I feel like Charlie Brown in a Charlie Brown's Christmas when he's just had it and he finally yells out, can anyone just tell me what the true me, what is Christmas all about? And then Linus, of course, steps in, saving the day as always, and begins to read from Luke chapter 2. We tend to make so many things so complicated. We're surrounded with it, so many choices, so many options. We don't know what to do with ourselves. So last Friday, our family grew. I became a father again. This is Arlo. I know he's cute, right? He looks just like me. Arlo is a nine-week-old golden doodle. We have another dog. His name is Tyler. He's 11. And uh, when Arlo entered uh, our world, there was a little bit of chaos. Uh, My other dog is currently in therapy because Arlo keeps taking all of his chew toys. And so I decided... I probably need to go to the store and rectify this situation. So I went to Petco. I hadn't been to Petco in a while because I haven't had a puppy in a while. And I walked down, not the chew toy aisle, but the chew toy aisles. There were so many of them, so many choices. I, I'm not, I mean, I, I literally got a little overwhelmed. Like I was going to have a mild panic attack in the middle. Like I'm thinking, whatever just happened to like sticks? There were so many chew toys and trying to make a decision and which one is right. And and I was just paralyzed, so complicated. So I bought one that just looked like a stick, ironically. (laughs) Over the centuries, a really simple message of good news and hope has gotten really cluttered and really complicated. Right now, around the world today, there are 45,000 Christian denominations And the word denomination means to divide, which 45,000. There are hundreds of versions of the Bible. There's complex theology and doctrine and churches fighting with each other and making all these rules. And good news becomes really complicated news. And sometimes I just long for the simplicity of it all. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So let's make it really simple. You know what saviors do? They save. It's in the title. Jesus came, entered our world, entered our space, saved us from our sins, and saved us from ourself. And that's really good news, that God cared so much that he showed up. And because God showed up, I'm amazed, which is the second gift we unwrap, the gift of amazement. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. And when they'd seen him, they spread word concerning what had been told them about this child. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So just, just give me a moment here, but I, I think we use the word amazed and amazing way too much. Like, I went to see this movie and it was amazing. I went to this restaurant and it was amazing. I went to my kid's Christmas pageant and it was amazing. No, it wasn't. 
chapter 3. Not everything's amazing. When I hear that word, sometimes it's like nails on a chalkboard. Because if everything's amazing, then nothing's actually amazing. The older I get, the more I actually like boring and predictability more than I like amazement. My wife and I regularly remind each other we'll make excellent senior citizens someday. But kids, kids are different. Kids are truly amazed all the time at all kinds of things. When my son Ryan was three or four years old, his place of amazement was the swimming pool. He loved it. And he was always in the pool, whatever chance he got. And one afternoon, my mom had taken him to the pool and he was in there with his water wings on, you know, floating because he can't swim. And he's floating around in the pool. And then he had to go to the bathroom. So he gets out, takes his water wings out, goes into the bathroom, comes back out, forgets he's not wearing his water wings and jumps right in and sinks right to the bottom. My mom, fully clothed, had to, to jump in, pull him out. For him, the pool was a place of wonder and his philosophy was, at four years old, jump first, fear later. Now, I would never condone being reckless, but is it possible that we play this wondrous thing called life a little too safe? I mean, what if Mary and Joseph had played it safe? I I don't know if they could have said no to the angel. I mean, can you say no to God? I suppose there's free will, so maybe they could have heard about this grand plan and told God, no way, we're not doing that. We want a simple life, I'm a carpenter. I'm going to be a mom someday. I just, I don't want any part in that mess. I suppose that could have happened. But their philosophy, it seemed, was jump first, fear later. And they got to participate. They chose to participate in the amazement of Christmas. It's no wonder that God chose a couple that was probably still in their teens because children are amazed at everything. I want to read a story one of my favorite books called Dangerous Wonder. It's a a story of a Christmas event. The author writes, a friend of mine spent the last year in and out of the hospital. A combination of a failing heart and cancer was almost too much to bear. His courage and determination caused him to bounce back from the edge of death, and so he and his wife were able to celebrate Christmas together at home. I suggested we celebrate communion in their home on Christmas Day. Just before the appointed time, they called and asked if we could wait another hour because their grandson, his girlfriend, and her two boys from a previous marriage would like to take communion as well. I walked into their small home to find everyone seated at the dining room table. Grandma and grandpa filled with anticipation Grandson, girlfriend, and two boys noticeably nervous. After placing the bread and wine on the table, I asked if there were any questions before we started. The 11-year-old boy, Joshua, asked if he could sit in on the communion. Of course, I said, and checked to see if his mother agreed. She said, okay. After I began the words of institution, I passed the bread and the wine around the group. May I take communion, Joshua asked. Sure, I said, do you understand what all this means? The grandson interrupted and said, yes, he does. I explained it to him. So Joshua took the body and the blood of Christ. And as I was preparing to say the final prayer, he blurted out, sir, how can you hear God speak to you? Where this question came from, I have no idea. I paused for a minute and I said, 
Well, Joshua, if you listen very carefully, you will know when God speaks to you. It may not be in an audible voice. It may not happen right away. But if you really listen, you will hear God speak. The trouble with children is they believe you. Immediately, Joshua squeezed his eyes, scrunched his body into listening mode, and started listening. I'd given Joshua an adult answer to his question, never expecting him to put the answer to the test so soon. I heard him, Joshua yelled. I heard God speak. I honestly don't think any of us in the room really believed Joshua heard God speak. We were trying to be nice, but we weren't expecting God to actually show up. What did he say, I asked. I was patronizing a bit and fully expecting some childish response. And Joshua looked straight into my eyes, his own eyes wide with wonder, and he said, God said, don't forget me. A boy's risky curiosity had brought him into the presence of God. Maybe that's exactly what brought Mary and Joseph into the presence of God. A risky curiosity that had the courage to say yes. See, the final gift is the gift we get from Mary herself, and that is the gift of treasuring the moment. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. She had this uninterrupted moment as she held the Savior of the world in her hands, a moment that you and I are remembering together right now. So are we truly here celebrating what this represents, or are we thinking about what's next, what's for dinner, wishing the guy on the stage would stop talking so we could get on with it? Are we really living or simply submitting ourselves to a distracted existence? Because if you're like me, the moment I feel a, a nudge of boredom, I reach into my pocket, pull out my phone, and distract myself. And if someone dares suggest that I take a moment, put it away, and just be, I turn into Gollum from Lord of the Rings. My precious. <laughs> There's a saying in Italian. It goes something like this. Dolce farniente. It means the sweetness of doing nothing. In this final gift, Mary gives us the gift, the sweetness of the gift of doing nothing. So let's uncomplicate all of this. At Christmas, what we've got is some really good news. Good news that, that you matter so much to God, that you're loved, you're seen, you're worth it, that he gave it all up. He left the hallways of heaven to be born in a barn amongst the animals in the hay. And what God did was nothing short of amazing, truly. So let's take a moment and treasure what it is that we're celebrating because this isn't just a, a normal night. What we have now together is a holy night.